0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Jazz Talk Seattle. My name is Max, and I am here with... Josh Howe. And we are the usual suspects. And today we are actually just going to do this duo. Um, We have a pretty special occasion, uh, at least I think so. And that is uh, Josh released a record. And I'm going to go ahead and say that it's pretty groundbreaking um, right off the bat. Uh, so this is kind of fun. I mean, normally we interview people who talk about things they've released or, you know, stories they have or, or whatever. But today it kind of feels like when we started this podcast, cause it's just us and we're just kind of talking about things that we're doing or this time that Josh is doing. Uh, this record is called, well, actually let me, let me talk about Josh for a second here because we don't get to do, <laughs> we don't get to do this very often. This is kind no, of fun. We don't. Okay, uh it's my turn to talk about you. Ha ha ha. Josh is uh a really nice guy first of all. He's an accordionist, a vocalist, a percussionist, a trumpetist, player, clarinetist, composer, uh also a linguist, a bit of a linguist. We can talk about that in a minute.
1: Okay, um, so
0: of those things
1: <laughs> I don't play percussion and i barely Uh, play trumpet clarinet i own uh, them
0: (laughs) well you know i it's for the fans i suppose no um maybe pretend yeah and he leads a band called how short and also the tiny funk band which is kind of a newer thing and of course the bands on his albums like this one which is something else i'm going to want to talk about quite a bit um The album is called Feeling of Home, and I mean, we could focus on a number of things uh, relating to this, but I would like to dive right in. So first of all, uh, it was released November 2nd of this year, uh, mixed by you, right, Josh? That's right. Yep. Mastered by a local legend named Ross Nyberg, Mm -hmm. and then it sounds like you and Rosanna designed the art. Is that correct? We did, yeah. It's really cool. I like it. Your All of your album art is amazing, by the way. I appreciate it. Um, uh, yeah, most of the album art in the past has been
1: done by my brother, who's a professional graphic designer. But this time around, I, I wanted more of a hand in it myself.
0: You have a very talented family. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay. Um, I'm going to want to jump in and listen to a track pretty soon. But before we do that, uh, can we talk a little bit about kind of the meaning behind this record? So yeah. you, you've lived all over the world, um, but more specifically, you've lived in Seattle for a little over the last 10 years, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I moved to Seattle in 2006, um, and okay. I lived I grew up uh, in a couple different states. I lived in Beijing for a couple years, and I sp- spent most of my teenage years in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. And uh, my parents are from um, Malaysia and Singapore. And, uh, yes, yeah, I, sp- I spent most of my teenage years there.
0: Awesome. And so, uh, well I was reading one of the descriptions that you actually put up to go along with this record. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull it up here. Just kind of look at it here for a second. It says, uh, it's talking about the feeling of home, um, describing it as a place of comfort and safety. And then it goes on to mention that sometimes, uh, that can be interrupted with a sense of unease. Right. Um, and especially with the political turmoil and such these last few years, uh, things are not always as safe and happy as we'd like, basically. Right. Um, and then of course with the quarantine and pandemic, that whole thing takes on a new meaning. If you think about the feeling of home, cause we're all literally home all the time, basically all the time. Yep. Uh, is there anything else you, you want to add about that or is, does that kind of sum up, um, the, the feeling behind this album.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the feeling behind the album and the title track. And we'll
0: it's... talk about the title track in, uh, separately because that's a whole other okay, thing, too. Got it. But, yeah. but just as a general picture, uh, is that kind of yeah. what you had in mind?
1: Uh, that's a good bird's eye view uh, for sure. I think, yeah, just living in Seattle is this is home and uh, I've been here for a long time. Uh, but yeah, sometimes, you know, uh, something happens that reminds me that oh uh like i don't know like uh people might not always think of me as welcome here or they'll say something like they maybe they don't even intend for it to be unwelcoming but they'll ask me something like where are you from and it's like well you know here and then they might follow up with but where are you really from because i'm asian and then uh kind of hinting at okay but you can't possibly be from here and that's kind of uh, kind of part of the
0: feeling that I was trying to capture uh, with this tune. That's, it's cool that you mentioned that and also sad that you mentioned that, of course. Um, and that's something that I think a lot of people would, you know, here might never even experience. Um, so it's really important to draw attention to stuff like that. Yeah. So, I'd say some people wouldn't
1: experience it, but it's, it's a thing that a lot of immigrants um, and people of color experience. And, well, that, yeah, and not that's what i
0: Right. Like, Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying, um, which is also why it's important to talk about it. Um, okay. Other things really quick before we dive in further. Um, all the tracks here were recorded individually. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. At people's um, houses or studios or? Everybody's own little home
1: studios. Um, I don't think anybody went to... A studio that wasn't their own As far as I know That's awesome
0: And adds to the feeling of home I'm sure for everybody yeah. um, Okay Can we I would normally do a little more talking before we do this But can we actually listen to One of the songs really quick Yeah which ones you I would um, love to, 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 to start with Longing for a Spring Breeze Okay let's do that Okay cool Here it is
2: Aboasiuteng
0: Wow, okay. I have so many questions and so many comments about this song and (laughs) about several other songs, but, uh I wanted to start with this one specifically, um, because there, well, there's a bit of a story behind it that you kind of gave me at least. Yeah. Um, and we can kind of start there. Um, I'm not going to read the whole description right now, but, um, kind of a brief synopsis is that your, your mom grew up uh, in a wooden house on stilts in Penang and I apologize in advance for my pronunciation throughout this whole podcast because there are words that I (laughs) am sure I will mess up, but I'll do my best. (laughs) Um, So there's a really beautiful specific image that is kind of coming together in my mind when I'm thinking about uh, where this is taking place. So I I was looking up because I'm really – Shame to say that I'm not terribly familiar with Malaysia that much as a country and as a region around it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been trying to learn more about it, and I noticed one of the, one of the things I noticed is that it's basically a constant eighty degrees, like year round.
1: It is um, really hot all the time. Yeah, it's two I'm sure degrees north chemo. of the equator, yeah. so it's yeah.
0: So it's this probably really humid but really consistent heat year-round. You've got a house on stilts. Mm-hmm. Is that like near the beach for like typhoons or floods? or?
1: Uh, yeah, there's just a lot of rain and
0: monsoon rain. Monsoon, um, right. Yeah. When okay. stuff floods, you want the house to be above the water. Exactly. Is that is that a common thing? I mean, not to go too far off track here. It but used I'm
1: to curious. be, but not so much anymore. Um, okay. yeah. When my mom was growing up, I think it was more common.
0: That's very cool. So your mom's aunt came to live with your family for a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, with her family, cause I wasn't or, around. Right. Yet. Sorry. With her family, <laughs> obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she would sing
1: this song. Yeah, this, well, this is just one of the songs that she would sing sometimes. And, um, I didn't actually know this story at first. It was, uh, cause I was talking to my parents about Uh, trying to dig into uh, more music from both my parents' respective uh, Chinese languages. And this was one of the ones that came up and I started working on it. Uh, And I wrote um, some alternate harmonies for it and and tried to do a jazz arrangement for it. And when I played it out, uh, it was usually just instrumental. But I, yeah, wanted to check out the lyrics and... Um, so yeah, my, my mom would talk about my, uh, I guess my great aunt, uh, her, I don't know the relationship is her, technically her grandmother's sister's daughter or something like that. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So she would sing the song and anytime the lyrics for the song came up, my mom would laugh because it talks about this, uh, young girl, 17 or 18 years old. And she really likes this guy that she sees and she wants to marry him. And my mom just laughs at that. She's like, she's 17, she's 18. That's that's too young. Why are you even thinking about getting married? (laughs) So uh, yeah, I just, I really like the melody of the song. And I like the way the words sound in my mom's native tongue, uh, which is pinang Hokkien. And it's a language I don't actually speak. I can understand some bits and pieces of it here and there, um, especially where it's like closer to Mandarin, which I do speak. Uh, But it's not something that I speak even close to fluently.
0: Very cool. Um, While we mentioned the language thing, you studied language, right? I did, yeah. I I studied linguistics at um, University of Washington. That's so cool. I'm sure that helps with music. And also music that is about family history, I think is usually special in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Which is really
1: cool. I ended up having to do a little bit of digging and research to uh, puzzle this one out or is the pronunciation for some of this because um it's originally written by a pair of taiwanese songwriters and so they would have been writing singing it in taiwanese Hokkien, and any of the recordings that i have access to are, are in taiwanese Hokkien, but the pronunciations are a little bit different so um it was a combination of checking with my mom and cross-referencing some other resources. I had to do some digging to confirm some of
0: the pronunciations. Yeah. So let's, yeah. So many things I want to talk about singing. This is the only track on the record that features you singing. That's right. Um, This is, might even be something I want to mention again later, but when I think of albums, I usually think of an album as either being instrumental or vocal. Mm -hmm. And, unlike How Short, like one of your other bands, uh, this I really was hearing as an instrumental album. Yeah. And I it was so, the attention to detail instrumentally was so uh, interesting that I forgot that you sang until you started <laughs> singing on this. And I was like, whoa, hmm. whoa, singing. Whoa, hang on. <laughs> and, then, and then there's this whole world of, of the lyrics and, and pronunciation and everything on top of that. So cool. Um, you just smashed that, distinction in my head between instrumental and vocal records uh with this track cool well thank you um yeah so really quick um i was very interested in first of all i've i'd never even heard of this uh language or dialect i'm not even sure which it is hokkien Mm -hmm. um there's taiwanese and there's penang what's what's the history here um how are they different
1: yeah so um There are many Chinese languages. Mandarin is uh, the most commonly spoken one. Cantonese is another very commonly spoken one. And there is another one called uh, Min. It's a family of Chinese languages or Hmm. dialects. And there is a dialect that's spoken in Taiwan. um, And it's very closely related to the one that my mom speaks. But there's pronunciation differences. And I think some grammatical differences too. Probably I'm not very clear on the differences and exactly where they are. Um, But because a certain group of Chinese immigrants moved to Penang, Malaysia, uh, sometime in the 1800s, and they brought with them this dialect, and then they intermingled with the Malay people that were there, and so Malay ends up in the language as well, and it's just a lot of mixing happening.
0: Wow. Okay, well, that's really cool.
1: But uh, to be clear, none of the Malay words are in this song. (laughs) They they are just, uh, yeah,
0: (laughs) the, the Chinese root words. Okay. Well, yeah, I love learning about stuff like this. And, I mean, this sounds like something that could even be – we could focus on this as a whole separate thing at some point if we weren't doing a music podcast. But <laughs>
3: There's we are, a lot
0: to dig in there. There is. It's really cool. Yeah. Um, so to move on a little bit here, mm-hmm. um, let's talk a little bit about what you're doing conceptually as well. Sure. Um, so – We like to kind of, I mean, this is a jazz podcast. We like to kind of talk about jazz music or at least jazz based or related music. Um, You have kind of created a new thing, not just with this record, but with your last one, Bilingualism. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't, I really, I I listen to jazz all the time and I really don't know anyone else who's mixing um, jazz or jazz based music with Things from China or Malaysia or Taiwan. I mean, I, I don't see any other examples of it, really. You know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not the definitely not the only one to do this, or the
1: first one to do this. There have been examples, yeah, out of Taiwan, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Singapore, uh, but there, I guess those records don't make as much headway out here, right? um, Often, but I, there are as I do this more and try to seek it out more like on social media honestly i've begun to find more people that are doing things like this um there's some folks out in new york there's some Hmm. folks down in san francisco and los angeles um that are playing traditional chinese instruments and uh mixing them with western music in in different ways uh some jazz some other kinds of western music but i guess yeah this record is representative of Something I've personally wanted to do for a really long time, and have finally, in the past couple of years, um, started digging into it.
0: Yeah, I mean, this it almost brings to mind um, the influence of Indian music, like in the '60s. Like I know mm-hmm. John Coltrane and, and the Beatles and a bunch of other musicians traveled to India, and suddenly there was this huge influx of of traditional Indian sounds and music in Western music. Mm-hmm. And it became this huge thing. It's like you—you might have started, or at least are right on the crest of this new wave of fusion music. It seems.
1: I mean, it's... <laughs> we'll see. I like for me, uh, uh, yeah, I can't really comment on like what the influx of Indian influences look like because that's not uh, readily part of my musical vernacular. Uh, but for me, this is a really uh, personal thing where these are sounds and songs. Uh, from my childhood and my family's tradition and culture and history. And it's stuff that I, you know, uh, was li- some of it I was listening to growing up and some of it just, you know, parts of it were kind of floating around. They were in the air. They were on the radio or like playing at the mall or something or just on a TV show that my uh, relatives would be watching as I was playing when I was a kid. And it sounds that I wanted to integrate into the music that I play uh, because I'm a jazz musician in Seattle and uh, I've been doing that thing here. Uh, but yeah, those are sounds I wanted to bring in. And and for a long time, I just didn't really know how to approach it. And uh, yeah, finally sat down and tried to do some arrangements. And um, this is, I guess, the second record that I've done
0: uh, that has some of this stuff. I love it. It is incredible. Thank you for doing it. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, I mean, not to focus on this, but if someone wanted to find some more musicians who are doing this, do any names come to mind?
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, so let's see. There's Sizzukong, um, S-I-Z-H-U-K-O-N-G, is a group out of Taiwan that put out um, a couple of records um, that have Chinese instruments and uh, are exploring the jazz thing. There is the Teng Ensemble, T-E-N-G. And they're an outfit out of Singapore that's doing uh, not just jazz, but uh, Chinese music and Chinese instruments along with, man, they mix in like funk and uh, like electronica and sometimes jazz, sometimes pop stuff. Um, There's folks out here. um, There's a P-pop player that I've worked with once Her name is Sophia Shen. She's in San Francisco, and she's great. She's got a really, really wonderful record um, out on Bandcamp that I really, really enjoy. That's she the
0: one that was on your last record?
1: No. uh, My last record did not have a peepop player, but I did uh, make a video um, that she is featured in. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Uh, Well, let's talk about instruments. And here is another giant area that I am very not well educated in. Um you have a totally fascinating uh, lineup of of instruments on this album. You've got accordion, <laughs> you've got trumpet mm-hmm. played by Ray Larson, who we've interviewed before. Kelsey Mines on bass. I think Kelsey is probably the in my opinion the most understated but like incredible part of this record because I was so fascinated listening to all these sounds that I had never even really heard before in a context like this. Mm-hmm. And then I would always come back to hearing the bass, uh underneath, just playing beautifully. And it was like, Whoa. Oh yeah, we're yeah. here. And there's Kelsey's the bass it's a <laughs> it's, phenomenal
1: bass player, and she Yeah, yeah she treated this music really well. On this.
0: Jeez. Uh, and then another Seattleite, Ty Titano and the drums. Mm-hmm. He does an awesome job. He has a nice solo on. Is it wind? Yeah, yeah.
1: That was a great solo that he played. Yeah, I yeah. I've got to shout out his incredible work too because um, I had actually never met him in person before working on this record, and uh, I. But I I'd heard I heard his playing before, like on Instagram, on other recordings. And I liked it and wanted to. Uh, and when I approached him, I said, yeah, let's do this. So I sent him the sheet music. And I sent him some thoughts of like what I wanted for drums. And then we ended up on the Zoom call. And I, being not a drummer, like had a, a difficult time trying <laughs> to communicate to him what exactly I wanted um, out of a drum sound. And I don't know that I even had the best uh, idea. But what happened was, uh, yeah, I sent up these songs. I sent her the sheet music. And I sang the melody and then I did a crappy beatbox to tell him like something (laughs) kind of like this. And he just said, yeah, yeah, I got it. And this is what came out and it's exactly uh,
0: what I want to do. It's yeah, he did incredible work. That's so cool. We'll talk a little bit more about the recording process in a second, but for sure. Then we have some more instruments that I'm sure I will mess up the pronunciation of. (laughs) I Um, can help you out. Zhonghu, uh, zhonghu, zhonghu, okay, mm-hmm. and that's basically a, a one string violin kind of. Is that right? It's a two string. Uh,
1: so yeah, uh, listeners might be more familiar with an erhu, which is the two string Chinese fiddle violin. Okay, um, and the zhonghu is the same thing but tuned. I think a fifth, no, a fourth down. Either fourth or fifth down. I can't remember. So kind of like a viola of the same family.
0: Okay. Very cool. and that's Yeah, basically by... what happened oh.
1: was I wrote an Erhu part and then I wanted notes that were too
0: low. And so I had to find a Zhonghu player. Is this kind of like... Would that be like trying to find a bass trumpet player? Like, is this a common instrument? Or is that like...
1: It is significantly less common than an Erhu, but in Chinese music circles, not terribly uncommon. Okay. Uh, but I also... Yeah, I wanted somebody who could play Zhonghu and could... Uh, improvise over jazz chord changes and also be able to record themselves in a home studio and yeah, manage managed to find <laughs> one.
0: And that was, uh, one Pinchu, is that right?
1: Yeah. Uh, G one pin in Cantonese. And okay. yeah. Thank so I, <laughs> the, <laughs> the story of finding him was kind of fun too. I've been, uh, uh, just following a bunch of Chinese music, Hashtags and Instagram accounts, trying to connect more with that community, and ended up getting um, connected with a film composer in Hong Kong. And she, uh, when I wanted to find a zhonghu player, I reached out to her, and she said, "Yeah, uh, this is the guy you want." And so I got his contact email from uh, contact info from her, and she connected me to him. And yeah, he's he's great. <laughs> he did exactly what I needed. He is great.
0: Um out of curiosity you said it, you did you put jube for one pin in Cantonese
1: uh g1 pin yeah
0: so is that well i think you well when you, when you put the personnel on the track is that like a Cantonese thing where you would put like a last name first or something?
1: Yeah, so that's a Chinese thing in general. Uh, the family oh, name, because we don't call it last name. We'll call it family name. It goes, um, or the surname goes in front, and the given name comes after. And Very so if you look at the Chinese characters, yeah, they're all they're all flipped, uh, my oh, name included.
0: Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I unfortunately did not know that because I can't read it. Yep. Well, But that's I really know. cool. <laughs> and I, wait, so actually when you're reading, does that mean you read, do you still read left to right? Or is it... Uh, left to right generally. Left to right? Okay. Cool. Very cool. I'm learning mm. a lot today. This is awesome. Um, okay. Next Gu Zang. is Gu that Zang. right? Yeah. Gu okay. Mm-hmm. I need to work on my pronunciation. Here. <laughs> um, and this is kind of like a harp kind of, right? Sort
1: of. Uh, this was, uh, Sarah Heng who played Gu Zang on this piece or one of the pieces on this record. Uh, is in Kuala Lumpur, and yeah, you, I don't know if you you've seen the video that she was featured in, but it's it's a I guess a zither, um, and it's laid down on a stand. Um, sometimes people use keyboard stands actually, and mm-hmm. there's uh, and I don't remember how many strings it has, but it, they're all tuned pentatonically, and there's a bridge per string, and they can be moved, and then the generally the right hand plucks the melody, and the left hand. Um, can pluck but also bends the strings on the other side of the bridge to get bends and also pitches that are outside of the pentatonic scale
0: yeah this I was watching I actually went down like a YouTube like wormhole watching people nice. play this instrument because it' it's was just such like whoa a cool how instrument. Does, <laughs> this is so cool yeah I mean this and the uh, oh geez crap Zhonggu, or, uh, Zhonghu. Zhonggu? Yeah. Mm-hmm. okay Yeah, I mean, both, yeah, really cool sounds that I've really just never explored that much. And then lastly, oh, actually, Mm -hmm. before we move on, how did you find Sarah?
1: Well, therein lies the story for what this album was originally supposed to be before COVID. So I had planned a summer trip to Kuala Lumpur where I grew up. And I was going to go there together with Ray Larson and spend a couple of weeks there and make a record. Uh, Because I grew up in Malaysia, I have musical connections there. And so uh, my old teacher and friend, Ken Ho, um, I reached out to him and said, hey, I want to come into town. I want to make a record. I need musicians that play this list of instruments. And I I had a long wish list. And for the Guzheng player, he recommended Sarah. And so... I had actually started to reach out to her and make contact uh, for when we were gonna fly out in July. But when COVID happened and quarantine happened, obviously that canceled all my plans for this record. And I had to pivot to figure out uh, what I was gonna do and thought, okay, well, let's give this remote recording thing a shot. And so I did a video, a YouTube video with Sarah and was really excited with the results. Um, that video ended up getting shown at Earshot's Second Century series um, about a month mm-hmm. ago, I think. And I uh, just really liked working with Sarah. And when I decided to do this remotely recorded album, uh, it was a no-brainer to reach out to her and, and do another piece.
0: Awesome. Right on. Yeah, she sounds awesome as well. And then lastly, the... D, D-I-Z-I? D-Z? Yeah, D-I-Z-I. What? Dizi.
1: Yeah, you got it.
0: Whoa. Yeah, that's a okay. uh, Chinese <laughs> bamboo
1: transverse flute. And yeah, playing D-I-Z-I is Leanna Keith, who is in Seattle and on the Seattle scene. She's a fantastic dizi player. Most people know her
0: as a flute player. Um, And she, she teaches at Cornish. Oh, very cool. I love the sound of this flute. I mean, it... I think I prefer it to any other flute I've ever heard. Actually,
1: it's a really cool sound. Um, they're diatonic, so it, they can't play the in-between notes. Uh, okay, easily, uh, that was my next question. You, actually, yeah, you can get those notes. I think if you use some fancy extended techniques, but they're generally diatonic instruments. Um, and there's an so they have six holes for the fingers, um, and they have an extra hole near the mouthpiece, or they're near the mouth hole mm-hmm. uh, that's covered with. Uh, a membrane that vibrates as you blow across the mouth hole and that gives it its reedier sound. So it's like, Whoa. yeah, it's like a flute, but but has a little, like a touch of reed to it.
0: Okay, that makes sense. That's very, wow. I'm glad you told me that. I had no idea.
1: Yeah, I'll show you sometime. I got one in my house.
0: <laughs> of course you do. Let's add that to your <laughs> list of instruments as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh <laughs> yeah cheap ones like like not you can get not good ones for really cheap and i I picked one up many years ago and don't play it well at all if you want to learn how to play you talk to leanna she'll she'll tell you what to do (laughs)
0: yeah yeah absolutely um how did you find her you just did you know her before or no
1: i didn't know her before and i can't remember how i found her like we started talking on instagram but we know a lot of the same people and I I don't remember exactly what, like somebody shared something and we got connected. And then, uh, yeah, it's been really fun to get to know her and to start to make music with her uh, through quarantine. And uh, she, uh, her mom is Chinese and is, and she is also really into, or Lena is also really into Chinese music and discovering and like exploring that. And so it's been really uh, fun to talk about that with her.
0: That's so cool. We haven't listened to our second song yet, have we? Uh, No, we haven't. All right. Can we listen to the title track, Feeling of Home? Yeah, let's do it. Cool. All right, here it is. Okay. I love this song. Um, Thank you. Yeah. The, the the melody is something that has actually stuck in my head this whole week. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. And specifically, uh, the main melodic phrase, I, I have a question about it. Is is that, and I can't believe I'm asking this, I studied ear training in college. <laughs> um, which instruments are actually playing that? Is it accordion? Is it all three of the Chinese instruments plus accordion or is it?
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So, um, I mean, it changes is the thing. So okay. when it starts <laughs> off, the, <laughs> when it starts off, the trumpet is playing the main melody. Oh, right. In the beginning. And then, yeah. Yeah. Which of course you can hear the zhonghu who plays a counter melody. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a 2d section where all instruments are playing the same thing. Yeah.
0: That's, that's the part I'm talking right. about. Right.
1: So a trumpet accordion, Zhonghu and bass are all playing that, uh, okay. but there, I flip between whether or not I include the accordion left hand, which has some of the lower frequencies. Oh, and so depending on which one of those all instrument sections, there there might be that, and there might not be, and then that changes the tone color of it too.
0: Okay. Wow. So yeah, I mean, this is a you've created a new sound here. Um, I was kind of transfixed by that combination of sounds it was something that I had never heard before and you know me neither I, honestly I don't know if it existed <laughs> before to be honest um and it's I'm really cool sure. and I would strongly encourage you to use it again because it's awesome
1: yeah I would love to work with that drum player again um, yeah maybe sometime in the future
0: yeah that sound is incredible and rich and has it's like all over the spectrum of tasty and spicy and sweet. <laughs> um, so this, as a song, rather than as a the title of your record, mm-hmm. um, how is that different? Or is it, or are there any differences?
1: No. Uh, this captures what it was going for, or like what we talked about before, captures what it was going for for this piece. And um, okay. it's just pretty representative of record as a
0: whole so cool yeah awesome well yeah i mean i love this song um yeah i can see i how this represents that feeling um there are quite a few different styles represented on this album i mean you've got like a backbeat song um Mm -hmm. and then i would almost say that you have a unique feel going for some of these as well i mean it's not it's not swing it's not ballad it's i mean if you're thinking in terms of traditional like uh i guess jazz styles okay uh,
1: (laughs) yeah 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 i know what you're talking about um yeah that's something that's been a bit of a journey in trying to figure out how to communicate to other musicians like what i want uh and so, yeah, I wanted to do, I wanted to mix traditional Chinese melodies with jazz. And I, sometimes swing can be used right with them. And f- for, for a handful of these like older folk tunes, I really didn't want it to be swung. Yeah. So I wanted it to be straight, but then I didn't want it to sound like a bossa nova either, which is what a lot of jazz musicians in town, I feel like you tell them you want straight eights and then they immediately go for a more Latin feel mm-hmm. because that's the default in a lot of jazz circles. Right. But that's not what I wanted. And so I've been telling people like, okay, a lot of half notes, like a lot less syncopation. I know it's jazz, but like syncopate less, please just play half notes. And then, uh, Troy Sheffelbein who played bass on my first record bilingualism, he started calling it stately, which I really liked. And so <laughs> I've used that a couple times, uh, but I invariably still end up describing a lot what I want, and yeah, Kelsey did a great job and and really sort a tie both of them.
0: Well, so it's, I have a question. Um, mm-hmm. In I mean, I guess broadly speaking, in more traditional Chinese music, is is the focus kind of on the melody more than anything else?
1: Uh, you know, I hesitate rather to than call harmony myself- or rhythm. I probably I kind of hesitate to call myself an expert or an ethnomusicologist, so I don't really want to just give a definitive yes. This is right. what Chinese music is all about. All I know is that these are the sounds uh, sounds that I like out of it, and this is what um, I've gotten out of it. Um, and, sure. And uh, yeah, the yeah. melody is what I ended up focusing on.
0: I mean, yeah. the The reason I ask is that it it felt like the melody was the Like if we're talking about time feels, instead of, instead of thinking of it as like a ballad or as like a walking two or like a whatever, Mm -hmm. it really felt like it was about the melody. Yeah. Like if you were going to describe the time feel, it would be like, really listen to the melody and, and kind of use that as, as an inspiration for how to feel the flow of time. Basically, if that makes any sense. That was just my impression, basically. Maybe
1: I should get you to tell
0: the people that I am playing
1: with now. Well, just, it was really cool. I talk? was
0: I was thinking about it, and I was like, "Wow, this is like a totally new thing." At I've least, yeah. always
1: struggled with how to describe it, but somehow the people I work with are so great and end up figuring it out. So, um, yeah, they I'm did a really great glad job. Can
0: figure it out. Um, cool. So. I had another question really quick about, um, recording. Yep. So everyone recorded these individually. Right. Uh, was that like all with a click track? Um,
1: yeah. So the order of recording definitely, uh, was a thing that had to be decided and figured out. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, like, like, you know, because it's jazz, there's a lot of interaction between the musical parts. But we're all in different places. We can't play at the same time. So what ended up happening for almost all of them is I would set a click track uh, and just set a metronome to whatever tempo that I decided. And I would play just the accordion part. And then I would send them off to Kelsey to play the bass part. And usually, I would throw away that accordion part because I wanted to be able to record something where I was listening and reacting to the other musicians. But at the same time, I needed to give Kelsey to something to react to, so I recorded a scratch track, and maybe then that's
0: why it felt like Kelsey's part was so grounding, maybe,
1: maybe uh, I mean that ended up being the part that everybody else referenced. Um, yeah. that was like the first part, um, Super even solid. though she referenced uh, the recording part that I played. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and then uh, just one at a time, layering on instruments and and or vocals
0: that's so cool um were there any unexpected surprises when it came to recording and, and putting everything together Hmm. i mean hey if it all flowed like clockwork then that's all awesome
1: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i took a couple passes like multiple steps in the process uh for for both accordion and vocals i guess yeah the parts that i controlled so you know, I, I would get the bass part back and then uh, re-record sections of the the accordion just to match a little bit more. And then if that sounded great, then I would keep it for the final par- uh, for the final recording. But sometimes I would get you know get a trumpet back and uh, Ray would play something specific and thought, oh man, maybe that's something I want to match. Or, or the same was when Ty uh, gave me a drum track. So, uh, but this whole recording process started, oh man, like in july and then i got the like last bit of audio sometime in october so Mm. it was just recorded over a very long period of time and by now it's kind of hard to remember what happened when right and how exactly the process went anymore i guess i could check my email but yeah it's (laughs) it's hard to it's hard to remember
0: well you did a great job putting it all together it sounds really professional um especially i mean considering how it was recorded it's incredible um You, you know like, I, I took her inspiration for this kind of recording process. I, like,
1: I knew this was a thing that other people have done even before quarantine. Like, I know that there's, like, I don't know. I swear I've heard somebody somewhere that, like, electronic and hip-hop producers do this kind of thing where they'll call somebody up in another city and say, like, Hey, I need this instrument in this section. Can you do it? And then they'll email tracks back and forth, and that's something they'll do. Or, like, Jacob Collier, for example... Uh, does a lot of multi-track, multi-layered stuff, and because mm-hmm. he's playing a lot of his own stuff, of course he has to do it one at a time layered. So I knew it was possible, and I, I didn't. Um, and I guess, yeah, when quarantine started, I thought, okay, let's let's do a couple of easy ones of just duets um, and make little YouTube videos, and then uh, by the time I actually wanted to start on this recording project, I felt like, okay, I have an okay handle on this process. Maybe I can give this a go.
0: Very cool. Well, you did great. Yeah, as far as I can tell. Um, I guess we're getting pretty close to our time limit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really quickly wanted to ask about what it's like releasing an album during the pandemic. I mean, I know we've talked to a couple other people <laughs> about this, but yeah. now as someone doing it personally, um, what's how is that working? Uh, what are you doing to promote this? I mean, other than what we're doing right now, obviously, haha. Yeah, But uh, yeah, what's that like? You know...
1: Similar, honestly, not too terribly different from releasing a record before quarantine. The biggest difference is that I'm not doing a release show. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that would be would have um, centered a lot of my promotional activity before. I could say like, "Hey, this record's coming out. Come out and hear it live. You can get CDs. They're physical. They're real, and you can buy them." Uh, but I'm not, I didn't do that this time because uh, no, at least for need- me, most. No, I didn't make CDs this time. Okay. Um, I, I still like them. I love CDs. But I feel like most <laughs> CDs are, like, when they are sold, and that is getting increasingly rare, but when they are sold, most of them are sold at shows that I'm playing at, which obviously is not happening right now. So it felt, um, I guess, silly to make them. I might sometime in the future, uh, if like or whenever things open up. But, um, yeah, it just didn't make sense to make them right now. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, and then, yeah, as for the rest of promotion, uh, I don't know, Instagram posts and making making YouTube
0: videos and, um, yeah, hoping people check it out. Definitely. Um, well, is there anything else you want to add about this record? That was about all I had in terms of questions. Yeah, well, um, I really enjoyed
1: making it. This was, oh, yeah, this is the first time I've ever mixed a record, which okay. was... Uh, yeah, a learning process and was really, really fun. And I have, yeah, enjoyed getting, I guess, another dimension of uh, opinion or or artistic voice um, on the record itself.
0: How did you learn how to mix? Were you referencing other recordings that you liked or just kind of going yeah, for Yeah, it?
1: some. Um, it's been a mix of things. So I've been... I guess I started like probably the earliest things I mixed were actually this podcast, um, learning (laughs) how to to do just three voices, but that's, that's not too bad. And then, uh, yeah, when quarantine hit, I was making, um, I have been making a lot of remotely collaborated YouTube videos and, uh, mixing, um, all along for that. Then I ended up, uh, learning a little bit at, I ended up having a conversation with John Hansen, the tuba player in Switzerland that I've worked with in the past, and learning a bit of mixing mixing from him, and he told me some stuff, and then watching YouTube videos, and then Ray, uh, the trumpet player on this record, uh, was really, really helpful. Um, I sent him um, a bunch of my early mixes, and he gave me extremely detailed feedback, and then we ended up having a Zoom session where he was giving me feedback and it's like, hey, try this, try changing this. This will make the trumpet sound more natural. And then I was able to take that feedback and make it yeah that much more better. And that was really really helpful. Oh oh oh. And David Salonen, who I have to shout out, was the he's Ty's roommate and he recorded the drums and he put a ridiculous amount of microphones on the drums. He put eleven microphones. Which was Whoa. super intimidating to me. Yeah, I know, it was really intimidating to me to mix that many sources. And so he was very, Did very. You helpful. Actually,
0: use all eleven, all, but two. I think. Oh my goodness. Oh maybe maybe I took four out. I don't remember. I used a lot of them. Uh, but mean, yeah, he was very helpful <laughs> in, <laughs> very wow. very
1: helpful in, in uh,
0: figuring out how to mix that too. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I usually use maybe like three. Or maybe four yeah. <laughs> for my drums, but hey, he cool too.
1: phones. And yeah. it was nice. It was really nice to have the options. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's awesome. Very cool. Uh, all right. Well, where else can people find your music? I mean, you have several projects um, going at once. Yep. So if they want to find this and if they want to find whatever, like other things you're working on, where can they find that stuff? I mean, yeah. Instagram, as you uh, mentioned, but. Totally.
1: Uh, look up, uh, Josh Howe on Bandcamp and you'll find, um, bilingualism, my first record and this one feeling of home. And, um, if you follow me on Instagram, uh, my username's accordion Josh, you'll be able to find, uh, whatever I'm working on. I post most stuff from most of my projects there, or you can go to joshuahow.com and that's got a list of the projects I'm working on too. Awesome.
0: It's so cool to be able to do this, just duo yeah once. It's, been it's been a, a well. long
1: time yeah maybe sometime we'll be able to talk about one of your projects
0: yeah hopefully so uh, well thank you so much for doing this amazing record and congrats on getting it released and yeah i guess we should talk about where to find our podcast as well um yep if you're iTunes, enjoying what Stitcher, you're listening yeah <laughs> yeah
1: Uh, Jazz Talk Seattle on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes. You can find us on
0: Facebook. Yeah. Please give us a like on Facebook if you like us. And thanks for listening.